welcome to episode 33 of Have a Blessed Gay, your spiritual comedy podcast. I am your holy host, Tyler Big Booty Martin. I hope everyone had an amazing Valentine's Day, whether you had a date with someone, or even better, a date with yourself. I had a beautiful day with my wonderful partner, although, y'all, we worked our asses off this weekend. Let me explain. So, this is how my brain works. We were in the middle of working out on, like, Tuesday, I think, doing some HIIT training, where you go, like, super hard for a minute or two, then rest for 30 seconds, right? Well, during the 30-second breaks, I pace around, completely out of breath, angry at the world, usually yelling some profanity, but during one of the breaks, I paced into our bedroom, looked around for a few seconds, had an epiphany, walked back out, and told Enrique, I want to rearrange the entire bedroom. Like, in those 10 seconds I was in there, the Holy Spirit of design spoke to me and I completely refigured our bedroom in my head. I told him my idea, he was super into it, and bitch, we got on Ikea and bought shit that night. Crazy. We also bought a new desk that I am currently recording at, which I love, and get this, a no shame brag, I built it all myself in like an hour. And I don't know, that's pretty solid. I'm pretty proud of that. Anyway, this weekend, we totally obliterated our bedroom, got rid of a shit ton of stuff, reorganized, and put the bedroom IKEA stuff together. And I freaking love it. The room looks so amazing. The layout gives us more walking room. Just being in a new revamped space feels stupendous, you know? And yeah, I had the specific deconstruction idea come into my head in those 10 seconds on Tuesday, but I also knew for a long time now that it could be better in there. Sometimes we get so lost in the day-to-day that we put off questioning the stuff around us. We don't want to take the time to go through our shit, even the shit that we're in every day. I'm in that bedroom every single day. We say, oh, that can wait, or we say, well... Yeah, it's not perfect, but it's fine enough. Or even worse than that, we know that it's not right, we've said that it's not right, but we have decided to devote all of our time to researching the fact that it isn't right, instead of using that time to actually make change. And what eventually ends up happening is that we just continue not changing what isn't right. Yeah? Yeah. I've wondered why it hit me so hard that evening, and I do think it had something to do with me being exhausted. I was fully out of breath, utterly wet from sweat, I felt like I was literally dying from my workout, and when we are in those exhausted, vulnerable states of being, it sometimes feels easier to look around and question everything. I didn't even have the energy to lie to myself and say that, yeah, it's not perfect, but it's good enough. (laughs) For me, at that moment, it was not good enough. It was far from it because I knew I could do much better and be happier if I put in some hard work. I think a lot of us have moments like that throughout life, and they can be significantly more profound than simply the layout of a bedroom. 
Maybe you're in a relationship, a job, or a religion that you know is not uplifting you, supporting you, loving you, but there's just so much going on, and excuses come very easily. But instead of looking away, what if we did try to look inside? What if we deconstructed? Deconstruction is the method of taking something apart, analyzing, and questioning the shit out of it. So, essentially what we do every episode together. Deconstruction can help us grow in our relationships and with our ideas, but it can also reveal toxicity, and maybe show us how we don't truly believe in those ideas. Deconstruction is a tool that can be used for anything and everything. If you're a writer or any kind of a creative, it's a great tool. If you're trying to better a relationship, it's a great tool. And we often hear the word thrown around when we hear people talking about religion. But it doesn't stop there at deconstruction. That's just the beginning. We didn't tear apart our bedroom and leave it a mess. We built new items to uplift us. Sure, they're Ikea and not the most long-lasting, but still, we built them. We didn't just deconstruct, we also reconstructed. And here to chat about deconstruction and reconstruction in a religious context is an amazing person, Crystal Cheatham. Crystal is an LGBTQ rights activist with a focus on religious liberty. Since 2011, Crystal has worked simultaneously as a ghostwriter and queer rights activist with groups such as Soul Force and the Attic Youth Center. As an outspoken activist, she has written for the Huffington Post on the intersections of faith and sexual identity, a faith and spiritual column for the Philadelphia Gay Newspaper, sat on the steering committee of the Human Rights Campaign as the Faith and Spirituality Chair, and partnered with Equality PA to influence clergy to support non-discrimination legislation. And as an entrepreneur, Crystal is the founder of two projects, Our Bible App and The Identity Kit, both of which have provided resources for marginalized communities of faith. Her newest project stems from Our Bible App, an app that I highly recommend. It is a community space for people who identify as spiritual, but not necessarily religious, a progressive Christian, or maybe nothing at all. It's a place to flex your spiritual muscles, deconstruct your faith, and build something new. They have community resources, daily devotionals, and podcasts, including this lovely podcast you're listening to right now. And her new project is something I am quite excited about. Our Bible app is branching into the realm of trade publishing with a new imprint, and their first book will be an anthology of 60-plus devotions all centered around deconstruction, called The Deconstructionist Playbook. They have a Kickstarter happening right now, so you can go and support them and help kick off this amazing imprint. And if that's not a good enough reason to... Your boy, uh, me, is a contributing author. I will have a devotional in the book, and I cannot wait for you to read it. I will have the link to the Kickstarter in the show notes, so definitely check it out and support. Some other goodies I'll have in the show notes include a link to get a free ticket to PodFest Global, a podcast festival that will be happening online. 
And I will be speaking at PodFest Global in their mental health con section, February 24th at 2.30 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. My presentation is called Laughing Through Tears, using comedy to discuss sensitive topics. Should be fun. So if you're interested, join me and 300 plus expert speakers to learn strategies and tactics for free. And a fun little bonus, if you attend, you might be a Guinness World Record holder. Uh Uh-huh. They are expecting to outnumber their last fest, which was a Guinness World Record holding festival. So cool. The link will be in the show notes. Just make sure to use my code BLESSED, all capital B-L-E-S-S-E-D, for free access to the event, which is usually $49. And last, but certainly not least, we got another article for the V word, the Have a Blessed Gay Vertical, where spiritual badasses share their ideas, questions, and resources on the Have a Blessed Gay website, haveablessedgay.com. This new piece is called Fictional Religions and Belief Systems in Audio Drama by Tal Zaman. A different kind of article than we've had before, Tao looks into the world of audio dramas and how their favorites have built their own fictional religions. Definitely a very interesting read, and make sure to stick around till the end of this episode to hear an excerpt from the piece read by the author themselves. As always, don't hesitate to reach out if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, and make sure you are subscribed, following, rate, and please, please, please leave a review. I appreciate it. Now, without any further ado, let's chat about deconstruction, shall we? Grab a hammer and call me Bob, because we're about to start tearing down and building shit back up. Deconstruction, can we fix it? Deconstruction, yeah we can! This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, the leading provider of online counseling. Y'all, the world is crazy and mental health is important. Some might even call it spiritual. I personally use BetterHelp myself and absolutely love what they're doing. BetterHelp makes professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient. So if you're struggling emotionally, battling anxiety, or you can't stop crying after an episode of Queer Eye, BetterHelp can be there for you anytime, anywhere. Go to my personal link at BetterHelp help.com slash blessed gay to check it out and get what 10% off the best part is you don't even have to leave your house they offer four ways to speak with a licensed counselor video calls phone calls real-time chat and direct messaging all counselors have been qualified and certified by their state's professional board In other words, you're not talking to a lobster dressed in human clothes. They're legit. All you gotta do is go to my link at betterhelp.com slash blessed gay and begin the questionnaire to match you with a therapist who is uniquely qualified to serve your needs. How sexy. It's super duper easy and you're matched within 24 hours or less. BetterHelp has a monthly subscription rather than paying per session, which makes it cheaper. But if finances are still a concern, financial aid is available for those who qualify. Get counseling, improve your life, and help this podcast out in the process by going to betterhelp.com slash gay. Sign up today and get 10% off. That's betterhelp.com slash gay.
Crystal Cheatham. Welcome to Have a Blessed Gay. Hey, Tyler. Thank you for having me. Oh, I am pumped to have you, and I just want to get into it. Tell us who you are and what the hell you do. Uh, <laughs> you're so fun. Um, my name is Crystal Cheatham, and I'm the creator of our Bible app, which is a progressive Christian space for those of us who just don't have time for the conservative BS. And um, I am also um, a podcaster and uh, I've done some, I've, I'm a writer and, you know, all of the good, you know, activist type things, I do them. I love that you said that we just don't have time for it because we don't. I'm so done. We're so done. We're creating our own spaces. We're, we're not trying to break into their spaces anymore because they're never going to budge. And we're over it. Over it. For those who do not have our Bible app, if they were to download it right here, right now, could you just kind of go into what they could expect from our Bible app? Yeah, you know what? If you're going to download it on Android or Apple devices, it's the purple one. Kind of looks like a splat of paint. And we have progressive devotionals in there. So like a daily meditation that you read that actually focuses on things that you can do in this world in a prayerful and, and helpful way. So our focus is like uh, social justice. And right now, you know, it's Black History Month. So all of our authors were only publishing Black authors this month. And that's not something that you're going to get from other <laughs> Bible apps or even <laughs> anywhere else. Because like <laughs> conservative Christianity is just so like engulfed in white supremacy and all these other terrible isms. Um, but yeah, like the app is just like, it's a community space. It has, uh, of course, Bible, uh, multiple Bible translations, but um, we also have a library of podcasts, which is why this podcast is on there, because it like it matters, you know, it should be there. Well, something else that matters, you have a Kickstarter for a book project that you're working on called yeah. The Deconstructionist Playbook. And I want to hear all the juicy details about what we can expect from the book. But first, I do think we should discuss just what deconstruction is. It is like the concept is something that I talk a lot about on this podcast, but I haven't really ever used the term deconstruction. So from a religious and spiritual perspective, what does it mean to deconstruct? You know what? I didn't actually know what deconstruction was when I started our Bible app. I mm. I flow in circles with so many of these like radical, amazing seminarians and they kept throwing it, the term out. And then I was like, oh yeah, that's what I've been doing for the past 10 years, you know, since I came out is um, trying to reconcile what I believe about God and the Bible and my belief systems with um, how I see the world, this new and evolved way that I have experienced the world outside of evangelicalism or a fundamentalist upbringing or just conservative Christianity altogether. And it starts with kind of analyzing what you believe about God, you know, and and then moves on to what you believe about other people. Do you really think that single pregnant mothers are doomed and going to hell? I think most of us would say no. Well, <laughs> and then we right? <laughs> and then you kind of move on from there. Like, um, it it can be a really scary space for people who um, are terrified of what their community will think or their family. But I think that once you start deconstructing, you realize that there's a really big community of people out there who are going to help you with your hard and scary questions. And yeah, it's it's really fun. It's a big word, but it's it's dope. 
I second that. And a follow-up question I have to this. So in order to question and do a deep dive into analysis, I think someone has to have the want to do that. Yeah, right. So why would someone want to deconstruct their religion or spirituality? What are maybe some examples of something that happens in someone's life that triggers this desire to deconstruct? Right. So for me, I started to deconstruct when um, I came out as a lesbian, you know, and I was just like, at that point, I had just kind of mindlessly been, you know, doing the lemming thing with with uh, my faith and my religion. And I just wasn't paying attention to anything about it. I was just like, yeah, I believe this because they told me blah, blah, blah. And that was like an awakening moment when I came out. And I think that like everybody will have that awakening moment. And it's up to you to like, you know, peel back the curtain and, and start to explore more or just hunker down and put your head under the sand and refuse to evolve. And so, yeah, I think that, um, for a lot of us, it's around the LGBTQ issue. Um, for others, it's about, you know, um, the way that in some Christian circles, the way that, uh, sex and sexuality is treated where like gender roles are so important. And, um, you start to realize, realize that there are way more genders than male and female. There's gender non-binary, there's trans, there's all these other ways of, of experiencing your body and your sexuality. Um, and I think that, yeah, it just kind of unfurls from there, you know, (sighs) so many, so many ways you can start to, to, uh, deconstruct your faith. And an important takeaway to all of this is this is not specific to the Christian faith. It is any kind of faith. It is really for anything, too. Like, if you have a cake recipe and you're like, hey, I think I can make this fucking cake better, uh, then make it better. (laughs) Do some deconstruction on that cake and reconstruct it and, and make it just like the best damn cake you've ever had. Oh my gosh. Sometimes when I see like the word deconstruct on a menu, I'm just like, how are you going to have a deconstructed sandwich, man? What does that mean? It's just a charcuterie board. Like that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Name it what it is. Really though. But you know, like if I was ever on like a cooking show, I feel like that's what I would end up having to do. I'm like, this is a a deconstructed chicken nugget. (laughs) (laughs) There you have the chicken. There you have the nugget. Eat it. (laughs) (laughs) and i'll be seeing myself out thank you very much (laughs) obviously deconstruction is such a big through line in your work and i would love to just hear about your journey with religion and spirituality and what eventually led you to begin your own deconstruction journey how did you become involved in the church my whole family, um, I was raised in like a dynasty of Seventh-day Adventists where oh my like God, dynasty. My, yeah, <laughs> it feels that heavy. But like my grandfather and my great grandfathers on both sides of my family are both like Adventist ministers. And so, yeah, I was just kind of born in the cradle of the womb of, you know, this, this fundamentalist church. And I went to boarding schools and my university was Adventist and, um, yeah, I was, I was like born and bred some like, you know, fundamentalist Christian (laughs) goodness. So then attending a Christian university as an adult, were you still super in it? Yeah. Yo, I didn't come out till I was like 22, 23. I want to say 23. 
Um, and that was after dating, I think three guys, none of which I ever like, you know, quote unquote, went all the way with Ooh. because it was easier just to tell <laughs> Jesus told me not to do it. Jesus doesn't want me to do this. This is bad. But then like when I finally came out and it was a um and it was about women, it was like, yes, let's do it. Jesus wants us to do this. Let's move forward with the consummation of this relationship. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Jesus is like, here's this song, put it on the damn door. Right? Oh, Jesus is like, don't leave until you get her number. Like Come on, bitch. <laughs> hey, I actually think that we might know the same Jesus. Yo, Jesus is our homeboy. Seriously. Oh my gosh, he really is. <laughs> I love him. So you're in the Christian environment. You do eventually come out. But where did the deconstruction happen and begin? Did that come when you came out? Was that a part of your coming out? Uh where, where did that happen? Right. So I think I got really lucky in that um, I had actually done personal work to understand. And I like I really did at a young age fall in love with the Bible. Like I've always loved literature. And so it was really easy for me to pick up that book and, and understand the stories and think this is some real cool shit. Mm -hmm. And I also grew to have like a real strong relationship with with um, my higher power, who I believe to be God. And so when I came out, it wasn't God has exp expelled you into this world, into this other otherness and into this heathenness. It was the church has expelled you into this world and God's coming with you, you know? I never for a moment thought that God couldn't love me or, you know, wasn't gonna be on this journey with me. Um, and so I think that was when I really started to deconstruct. I had like this, crazy come to Jesus moment. At the time I was singing and I really thought I was going to be a uh, music minister. And my then mentor invited me to sing at his uh, youth rally. So he invited me to sing in front of like 200 teenagers and pre preach a message. And I was really freaking excited, but I was also coming out to myself. And in an email, I told him, I was like, Pastor Manny Cruz, I'm a, I'm a lesbian. And he was like, wow, why don't you talk about that when, when you come and preach to these young adults? And I was like, oh, shit. Wow. So um, the time comes and I show up to this venue and he says, why don't you just like not, don't preach, just sing your songs and, and then we'll move along. And so... I was like, fine, you know, that takes, you know, 20 minutes off of my set, but whatever. So I get on stage, I do my thing, I come off and I ask him like, why, why wasn't I allowed to speak? And he was like, well, because you're a practicing homosexual, you, you can't be leadership in the church anymore. And he just said it like so dry and matter of fact. And what he was actually signaling to me was what I had thought in the back of my head this whole time that like being queer was damaging was tear was like this evil thing and there this man was like he hadn't affirmed me in that email he was just shocked you know and let me arrive thinking that I could be there and be a part of this great moment only to rip it away and I stood there bawling because I knew the magnitude of what he was saying that it wasn't just his church that I could never be leadership it was any Adventist church and I and he like never he never put an arm around me. He never consoled me. He just like, let it happen. Um, and that was the moment, like my heart broke when I, my relationship with Adventism started to crumble and I started to 
go through all of the things that I was taught, all of the dogma, all of the rules that I was told to, to obey, like going to church on Saturday, you know, I started to think is, is Saturday actually holy, holier than Sunday, holier than Monday. Why do we keep up this, this tradition? Um, and I threw that away. I was like, <laughs> trash. <laughs> um, yeah. I got to go to the club on Friday night. What? <laughs> I know. I was like, this is really hampering my style right now. Um, and yeah, it was just like one after the other. And it, it was a lot of just exploration of, well, what do I believe? If I step out of line this way, is God going to strike me dead? God hasn't stricken me dead. All right. You know, and I have to say that what affirmed my, um, my deconstruction was realizing that God was in all those places I was told not to go. Like when I was a mm. kid, we were told that if you go into a movie theater, God won't follow you in there. Like the angels won't follow you. So you'll basically be on your own while you're watching like this really shitty teenage movie. Okay. Right. Insane. And um, yeah, like it, it turned out that none of that stuff was true. Um and I picked up books that were, that talked about, you know, those clobber texts in the Bible about, you know, man shouldn't sleep with another man and blah, blah, blah. And the way they were interpreted by these um, seemingly uh, right, quote unquote, right people um, were rebutted by others who had gone deeper into the text and, and weren't bigoted or, or, you know, burdened by sexism and all that stuff. And um, it just really opened up opened up the world for me and made it, it made it possible for me to experience God in a brand new way. So, and it also made me furious, just like freaking furious that there was this whole side of Christianity. I mean, and they knew that they were lying. They knew that they were lying to young mm -hmm. adults and kids and grownups and stuff, but it, it was all about power. Um, and I was furious that they thought that they could just control me like that. And that's what, you know, where all of my work comes from. It's just like a deep seated anger and uh spirited revenge and <laughs> spirited revenge literally why i get up most mornings <laughs> i get it for those who may not be super familiar with the adventist church would you just give like a, a short uh kind of telling like what the theology is within yeah. that specific denomination yeah i mean adventists believe that God made the earth in seven days and that uh, started with Sunday, ended on Saturday and said, let us rest. And Seventh-day Adventism is kind of like a mismatch between um, being like a Hasidic Jew, like some of those traditions we keep alongside being like Southern Baptist. <laughs> so it's like Southern Baptist, but you go to church on, on Saturday and you keep Sabbath and... <laughs> You, you are, um, for the most part, you eat um, kosher, kosher foods. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's a that is very interesting. Hmm. Right. And I, it's a real squirrely space, but, you know, they, they're very Bible literate. And, you know, there's different sects. Some of them are way more um, controlling than others. But you don't, you're not allowed to wear jewelry. Um, they have a prophet, uh, Ellen White, who says weird things like some of the things she says are like right on you know but other things she's like you shouldn't drink um you, or you shouldn't you shouldn't yeah you shouldn't consume caffeine or pepper or mix fruits and vegetables in the same meal i'm just telling you the squirrely stuff but <laughs> 
When I was an Adventist, I really enjoyed it because they have a great sense of community. Like I've never discovered community like that before. And that's like the only true thing that I miss um, from, from uh, the church of my youth. Isn't that the common thread community? Right. But once someone gets to a place where they feel like they can deconstruct, what are the first steps? What? How would you say to begin a deconstruction journey? Yeah, it is. If you have had a chink, like if you have do see a chink in the armor and you're like, oh my gosh, I, I'm seeing through this, through this, uh, this fakeness that the church has kind of created, um, you're going to start where wherever it is most serious to you. You may start with purity culture where um, you've been told to cover up because you're a woman or um, you're a man and you're expected to be like this big, burly, masculine asshole, you know, and like me, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to laugh so hard, but that was funny. Hey, now, hey, now, hey, now. <laughs> Um, you're going to start wherever it's necessary, but I would say to start, um, in places that, you know, you're going to be enveloped in love for who you are. Um, so maybe the first thing you should do is to just trust your own intuition. Like if you believe that something's wrong and your experience has told you that, um, what, what you've been taught is, is incorrect, then trust yourself. You are right. Whoever's telling you that you're not right is just trying to manipulate you. Um, however much you love them, that's the truth. And um, start to look for resources that are going to uh, validate those strong feelings that you're having. And for me, that was turning to books that, you know, really super, really old books at, at this point. But if you're willing, you know, our Bible app has tons of stuff for people. Um, and of course, that's why we're creating this, this book, the, the Deconstructionist Playbook, because we realize how isolating it, it can be when you're stepping out of your community, when you're um, trying to find the answers for the feelings that you're, you're having, um, and you're starting, and what you believe is starting to like crumble around you, which is just terrifying. Um, yeah, just reach out for resources and, and community and trust yourself. Trusting yourself. I actually think trusting yourself, that gut feeling is the scariest aspect of deconstruction because if you do trust yourself and then that feeling turns out to be right, then that means that the buildings will come crashing down. And that is absolutely terrifying. It is absolutely and terrifying. I, I'm sure there are so many people who go through deconstruction who are just like, please let me be wrong. Please yes, let this gut feeling yes. be wrong. Let the people be good people. Let this community be a good community. And that feeling that it might not be that you might be right. The trusting yourself that you are right, right. is that oh, it, it is it is terrifying. It is so scary and it can be so just vulnerable of a feeling. It's Jesus. OK, I would say. Number one, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. And number two, the first thing you should see is that not everything's black and white. So. Some of the parts of your community are definitely, I mean, of your beliefs and the people that you love, some of it's actually true, you know, love thy neighbor. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really true. You know, um, God is love. Yeah, I totally believe that. Um, but some of the things are going to be absolutely false. 
and you're going to need um, support and community, even if it's just that one person that is in is usually around the corner at the back of the church smoking a cigarette, who's like, yeah, I'll listen to you, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> let that person in, let that person be your friend. That person was usually my friend, so. <laughs> yeah, and something I think is really important to keep in mind while we are talking about deconstruction is that it is not the end goal. Mm -hmm. It is the beginning point. But the end goal is to build a new and to create these new uplifting and affirming communities and, and people and surroundings. And so for those who are in the midst of deconstruction, people who are surrounded by these scattered bricks from these buildings that have crashed around them, maybe they're family or people that they love have been saying some really hateful things to them. I think it's really important to just know that it is not the end. It's not the end. And that we are always evolving. We're always growing and and we should always be trying to push to the next thing. I really love the term reconstruction, which is really what comes after deconstruction. So would you talk about that term reconstruction? Yeah, like reconstruction is definitely the next next phase once you've contended with, um, okay, some of this stuff is bullshit, but I, I still believe some of it. So how do I start to build on what it is that I do believe and uh, better understand why I don't believe this other stuff. And reconstruction comes in very many different ways. I think that reconstruction could be realizing that um, you don't, you've never found God in a church space and need to find other ways of, of capturing that, that, that feeling of uh, meditation and holiness. Um, reconstruction could be uh, realizing that you find the work of social justice you know, so empowering and beautiful that your faith is more in the hands of of people kind of creating heaven on earth than those sitting in pews and singing kind of a thing. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we, with the Deconstructionist Playbook, we're actually going through uh, three different sections. We have deconstruction, we have uh, reconstruction or restoration, and then finally uh, liberation theology, which talks about how, you know, the ways in which like race has actually affected um, and penetrated all of, uh, and, and all of the ways that we, uh, that we believe God to be God, you know, and we believe the church to be the church. Um, yeah, I would say that Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and transition into talking about the book, The Deconstructionist Playbook. I'm so (laughs) excited about it. And I think one of the most exciting things is just having so many different voices in the book. You know, we don't have a ton of representation in books when it comes to deconstruction. And it's kind of like self-help. If the author's voice just doesn't speak to you, then it just won't mean anything to you and it it can't help you on your journey. So with this, having a diverse range of voices is really, really amazing. Right. Like this book is awesome because you can actually start anywhere. You can open it up and start where you want to. If a topic jumps out at you, open it up and read. Um, And we're, we actually have over 60 people who have all contributed to this and they have gone through it. They have already gone through it and they're speaking in layman's terms about their experience. You know, 
I don't even know. Like, like, can I just read some of the titles? Like, uh, oh my gosh, yes, please. One of them is is just about reframing God, and one of them is just about community, and, or these sections that you know people are people are going through. One is about uh, disability, disability theology. Like, oh my God, um, yeah. Like how there's one just about how important doubt is, and that is so validating to just be like. It, it, how can you be a hundred percent sure about anything? You know, um, <laughs> it's important to incorporate doubt into your work, into your life and mystic Christianity, you know, like, yes, I'm a Christian, but you know, I also believe all these other things about Teo and Buddhism and astrology. So how does that incorporate into my faith? Can God actually rep- be represented in crystals and, mm-hmm. and tarot and stuff like that? And you know, the questions are there. Let's, let's talk about them. Let's not be scared away from them just because they feel taboo because somebody long ago said it was all witchcraft. Fuck that. Fuck that. I love that. I'm so excited for the book. And for anyone else who is excited for it, there is a Kickstarter. You're in the beginning stages of the book. So for anyone who is into this, for or anyone who you think might be into it, Uh, There is a Kickstarter where you can be a part of the journey before it even comes out. Crystal, would you just give us a spiel? Give it to us. Absolutely. There is a Kickstarter to support the creation of this wonderful book. And I mean, I want to tell you like how we got here because it has been such a journey. When when I created our Bible app, it was it was because I was told that uh, this other Bible app, the uh, U version's Holy Bible app. Most people have that little brown Bible if they do have a Bible app on their phone. I used to. I don't <laughs> <Okay>. anymore. <laughs> right. I reached out. To, I mean, I used to read their devotionals, and I reached out to them because they were always just like, just so anti-gay and against like abortion and I mean I just feel like that's those are such personal things and well whether you're for or against abortion is abortion is personal but I just felt like why are you always pitting the homosexuals uh, uh against everything else like I was like why 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 are they constantly pitting us pitting us as the as the bad guy and i wrote them a letter and i was like you know there's actually a lot of progressive ministers that could help you kind of fill this void and they wrote back and they said nah and that made me really angry <laughs> so i created our bible app with a kickstarter um and a rebel <laughs> after my own heart oh my god i was like forget you i'm going to do this and and i'm not a tech person i'm a writer so um, our Bible app over the past three years has grown into like this digital publication. And um, recently I tried to get this anthology published and there were two major publishers who were like, this is a great idea. But when it came down to brass tacks, they were like, there's too many authors and we don't agree with everything you're saying. And, 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 and uh, I said, well, fuck you. I'm going to do it myself. <laughs> so <Yes>. I, <laughs> I have a history in publishing um, and I thought I'm going to create my own imprint with our Bible app. Like we're already digital. Let's expand into trade publishing, which is like it to me. It's like second nature. Like, why wouldn't we do that? And so this Deconstructionist playbook, this anthology is our inaugural title. It is how we are making our stake in, in the sand and saying, you know what? I am tired of asking people for permission to validate me and who I am in the world. I really think that those of us who are in this like progressive deconstructing space need to just make our own spaces, just like 
forget about begging to be in someone else's uh, rooms. Like we're just going to make our own rooms. And so um, the deconstructionist playbook is a way for each of us to say, you know what, my faith, however, you know, thrown together it is, is valid, is valuable, and uh, is nothing like the conservative right. It's nothing like those people who are, you know, lost in QAnon right now or went head over heels for, you know, Trump and all that bullshit. Like we are completely different. We care about people. Social justice is something that um, is in our blood and it's part of our faith. And that's what this whole campaign is about. It is, will you pre-order this book? so that we can go on to continue lifting up voices like these. And I mean, I was surprised at the amount of authors who wanted to get behind it. You know, we have, we have people who are kind of famous right now. We have Lenny Duncan. Lenny Duncan wrote Dear Church and just kind of blew up all over the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Mickey Scott Bay Jones, Deborah Jean Lee, um, Susan Cottrell. Like these people are all like famous in their own spaces, but coming together, we're really hoping that we can make a real impact and you can be involved dear listener um <laughs> by but by supporting it but also just like this book i mean we're, we're saying that it's the playbook for deconstruction for reconstruction and liberation but ultimately we know that this is just one side of the conversation or a start to the conversation we want you to read it we want you to internalize it and we want you to start to make your own content about what it is to be a a spiritual person or a leftist Christian or a progressive Christian or however it is you see yourself in the world that isn't evangelical, you know? Let's start to have more dialogue. Let's start to see um, more hands uh, dipping into the pot for like social justice and and liberation for all. I'm so curious, those two stupid publishers who didn't just jump on it were they christian based they were and they were of the more um progressive variety but they still you know just didn't have room for us it's so interesting i remember that happened to brandon robertson who's been on here a couple times oh he's also in he's also in the anthology people will love that they love him on here uh but what's so funny about that book is like it's such a tame book there's nothing all that controversial in the book that they turned away and i think we see that a lot in christian publications is that they censor books in such a way like churches that really it's just like this is what you should believe and so it's this odd dumbed down censorship that's happening right and it's this it's the smother the smothering ideas it's the it's the refusal to tell stories of difference of otherness and which you know is colonizing in a way it's really gross it's gritty it is um, the censorship is just, it's uncalled for because it, it says that we're not smart enough to un- discover God on our own, right? Yeah. <laughs> and our Bible app is saying, no, people are pretty smart and intuitive. And we believe in like popular education and the way that we can come together around a single idea. Um, yeah, we just want people to evolve. I, I, what I tell people is that what we're publishing in our Bible app and in this anthology is the same gospel that you're going to get if you go to any one of those uh, churches. And the difference is our language is not going to have any of that hate stuff in it. Like we are done arguing about whether, 
queer people are affirmed by God. We are done worrying about whether we should be affirming and accepting of people of, of other faiths, like Muslims and Jews and all that stuff. We're done. We're done talking about it. We believe that women should be in leadership. We believe- Wait, that- hold on, what? Right. <laughs> <laughs> we believe that like you can have premarital sex, you can have sex outside marriage. We believe all this stuff and we're not gonna, we're not gonna talk about it. And if we do have conservative people who write for the app, which we do because we're, we're, not, we're, we're not trying to become them, you know, we're not trying to say nobody's allowed if they have these, these values we require that they follow our, our publishing policy. And our publishing policy says, no hate speech. Don't talk down to men. Don't talk down to women. Don't use like really gross uh, Christian platitudes, <laughs> you know, like that Christian speech. And uh-huh. we've had people submit things and then we've told them what was wrong with it. They take all that stuff out and then they resubmit it. And it's like, this is something we can all read and digest. It's the same freaking gospel. We're just like getting rid of all of like the, the added dogma and bullshit that has been that has been like seeping in for the past hundred years. Well, for people who want to find you to keep up with your work and to keep up with the book, where can people find all that goodness? Yeah, if you want to find me anywhere, I'm online. Um, my website's crystalcheatum.com. And um, I'm on Twitter, Crystal Cheatum, um, Instagram as the cheat. And I'll let you figure out how to spell that. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I'll put it in the show notes for those with anxiety revolving around spelling. <laughs> there we go. Um, but you can you can find uh, anything we're talking about today with like our Bible app or the um, the Kickstarter or the anthology. You can find out all of that on ourbibleapp.com. And you know, if you go to any one of our socials, it's all our Bible app, our Bible app. That is it. O U R Bible app. Um, you know, you'll be able to find us. You'll be able to pre-order a copy. And I just want to tell you that we're trying to get to two thousand backers. And um, as of an hour ago, we were at 375. And so we have, you know, 29 more days to get to 2000. And with your help, we can do it. So, you know, I hope you'll take the time to come and find us. Crystal, you are just so lovely. And I thank you for your work. And thank you for spending some time with me today. Thank you for having me. This has been a blast. Isn't Crystal amazing? I had so much fun chatting with her. And now, here are my main takeaways. Number one, deconstruction is a beginning point. Trust your intuition, your gut feelings. Believe in yourself, even if those around you disagree. Find communities, books, resources that might support those inner feelings you're having and see where it takes you. Question and analyze the world around you. It is okay. It is important to have doubt. Number two, sadly, religion has been a major source of power throughout history. And with that has come lies and terrible, terrible things. Know the history and study what you're being told. Number three, spiritual revenge is where it's at, baby. Have you ever felt wrong spiritually or even emotionally? Deconstruction is a great way to handle those feelings. Take revenge by building yourself and others up. But also, of course, therapy is amazeballs, and I highly recommend. Number four, no need for hate speech or hateful ideology. 
Surround yourself with a community that is uplifting and affirming. Number five, once you break down your beliefs, you break down any lies and deceit that you've learned, that is where the magic of reconstruction begins. You can build your own beautiful world. Reconstruct your life. And speaking of building something beautiful, now it is time for the excerpt from the newest B-Word article. Tal Zaman is the creator and showrunner of the podcast, Caravan. Before that, Tal served as a staff writer for Paradoxica, the flagship audio drama of The Whisper Forge. They also served as head writer on Luminous, a performance experience that blends AR gaming technology with live theater. So they know a thing or two about world building, okay? Here they are reading from their piece, Fictional Religions and Belief Systems in Audio Drama. Podcasts are here to stay. Many of us keep them on while we commute to work or run the laundry or just lie in bed before falling asleep. In times of uncertainty, loss, and loneliness, stories, particularly audio dramas, help us turn our back to the cold. If you've never heard of them before, audio fiction or audio dramas are highly akin to radio dramas distributed over podcasts. I make an audio drama of my own, called Caravan, and consume others religiously. When offered a chance to write about fictional religions and belief systems, I just knew I had to talk about how they're portrayed in my favorite medium. So why audio fiction? Well, religions aren't just sets of rules and customs, they're stories about the people who believe in them, how they came to be, and why they should live their lives the way they do. When you look at religions and belief systems throughout history, they're often passed down in cultures by three modes, sacred texts, rituals, and oral traditions. To me, audio fiction is a modern oral tradition and a wonderful storytelling medium. Within audio fiction are actual play podcasts, or shows in which regular people or actors play a tabletop role-playing game for audiences. The mechanisms of these games, rolling dice, moving avatars of ourselves around on game boards, collaborative and improvised storytelling, these all echo the acts of ritualistic dramatization and reenactment in real-world belief systems to me. I wanted to take a look at two actual play settings here because I believe they have a lot to offer us in terms of fictional religions and belief systems. They are Not Another D&D Podcast and Liberty After. If you haven't given audio dramas a try, this might pique your interest. And if you're already a fan, I hope this gives you just a few tools by which to more deeply examine the ways your favorite fictional worlds are built. These stories help us cope with times of uncertainty, loss, and loneliness, as I've said before. This applies to both audio dramas and also our real-world religions and belief systems. There are some who remark that even our real-world religions and belief systems are fictions themselves, but the impact these stories have on our lives and the stories they inspire us to tell in turn are very, very real. Make sure to read the full article on haveablessgay.com. You can find all the links in the show notes. And as always, please reach out to me. I love hearing from you. You can DM me on social media at haveablessgay on all the platforms, or just send me an email. Also, please do rate and leave a review. It is very, very helpful. Now, if you are struggling, you're in the midst of deconstruction and having a difficult time, I do always post helplines in the show notes, so please do reach out if you need them. Just remember this. You are special. 
You are purposeful. And you are fucking beautiful. Have a blessed day, y'all.